But realize that those who were spared on that first Passover, they were spared to die again. They either died in the wilderness or they died in the promised land, but they lived to die again. And Jesus here is describing a Passover into life that speaks about everlasting life. Though we may die physically, we shall live forevermore in heaven's glory. Welcome to The Cleansing Word. We invite you to stay with us as Pastor John Pinnell of Calvary Chapel Lake Villa takes us through a verse-by-verse study from God's Word. Each Monday through Friday, we'll be airing messages to encourage you in your faith that you might grow in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. I hope that you enjoy this broadcast, and I'll return at the close of this teaching to give you more information about our church and how you can obtain a copy of this message. Now here's Pastor John with today's message from God's Word. Well, today we're looking at the second half of John's Gospel, chapter 5, verses 24 through 47. I titled this, Passing from Death to Life. And last week, we learned of a change of attitude from the religious rulers toward Jesus. The religious rulers sought to kill Jesus for doing the work of healing on the Sabbath day. They confronted him, and he proclaimed this in verse 17. My father has been working until now, and I have been working. And then John writes in verse 18, the Jews sought all the more to kill him because he not only broke the Sabbath, but also said that God was his father, making himself equal with God. So we are given two reasons. There's a change of attitude towards Jesus, and for two specific reasons given to us, that he healed, did the work of healing on the Sabbath. Remember, last week we learned about that, that they were not to do acts of healing on the Sabbath. So you were out of luck until the next day, or the uh, Sabbath goes from dusk, to dust, so you had to wait until the evening before you could have acts of healing done for you, but also because he made himself equal with God, said that God was his father. So today we're going to look at a message that I entitled, From Verse 24, Passing from Death to Life, and we're going to see, Whosoever hears will live, verses 24 through 30, one who bears witness verses 31 through 40, and receiving the honor of God, closing out the chapter, verses 41 through 47. I'm going to go ahead and read the first point, which is verses 24 through 30. Open us in prayer, and we'll look into God's word. Most assuredly, I say to you, he who hears my word and believes in him who sent me has everlasting life and shall not come into judgment but has passed from death into life. 
Most assuredly, I say to you, the hour is coming and now is when the dead will hear the voice of the Son of God and those who hear will live. For as God the Father has life in himself, so he has granted the Son to have life in himself and has given him authority to execute judgment also because he is the Son of Man. Do not marvel at this, for the hour is coming in which all who are in the graves will hear his voice and come forth, and those who have done good to the resurrection of life, and those who have done evil to the resurrection of condemnation. I can of myself do nothing. As I hear, I judge, and my judgment is righteous, because I do not seek my own will, but the will of the Father who sent me. And Father, I pray a blessing upon the teaching of your word today. We ask, Lord, that your Holy Spirit would open our hearts to receive that which you would have for us and give us encouragement and give us courage as we learn from your word this morning. We pray in the name of Jesus. Amen. So whosoever hears will live. It doesn't say whosoever anywhere in the text, but I threw that one in there. But those who hear will live. And we find that the dead hears and finds life. And in verse 24, it's our memory verse for this month. And I described it as the New Testament Passover verse, because at the end of the verse, it tells us that those who believe in Jesus have everlasting life and shall not come into judgment, but has passed from death into life. And verse 24 describes this New Testament Passover the verse does not describe the passing over like at the first Passover, where to keep the firstborn alive within a household, they would kill a Passover lamb, take some of its blood and paint it over the lintel and the two doorposts of the home. And when the death angel came through on that night to kill all the firstborn, whether man or beast, within the nation of Egypt, when he saw the blood, he would pass over that house, but realized that those who were spared on that first Passover, they were spared to die again. They either died in the wilderness or they died in the promised land, but they lived to die again. And Jesus here is describing a Passover into life that speaks about everlasting life. Though we may die physically, we shall live forevermore in heaven's glory. And verse 24 teaches that everlasting life is gained two ways. First, through hearing the words of Jesus. He says, he who hears my word. And we know that Romans 10, 17 tells us that faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. And Jesus would emphasize this point in John chapter 8, verse 51. Most assuredly, I say to you, if anyone keeps my word, he shall never see death. That we need to hear, that we might obey. Faith comes by hearing. So first, by hearing the words of Jesus. Second, by believing in God the Father who sent Jesus. And this goes to our believe on the believe, receive, grow, and go motto of the church that in Hebrews eleven six, but without faith it is impossible to please him for he who comes to God must believe that he is 
and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. Two methods that the Lord gives us here to gain everlasting life through hearing the words of Jesus and by believing in God the Father who sent his Son. Jesus went on to say, Most assuredly, I say to you, the hour is coming and now is when the dead will hear the voice of the Son of God and those who hear will live. Verse 26, For as the Father has life in himself, so he has granted the Son to have life in himself. The hour is coming. Not talking about a a 60-minute hour, but a, a time, I think, the hour of the church, the current church age that we're in, where everlasting life has been made available because of the cross of Jesus Christ, where Jesus put away sin once and for all. Uh, Dave Rapun used those words between one of the songs this morning during our worship, that this penalty of sin has been put away once and for all, and Scripture agrees with that phrase. In Hebrews 10.10, it says, We have been sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once for all. Once for all. One offering has been given for all mankind when Jesus Christ paid the debt of our sin. The dead would hear the voice of Jesus be raised back to physical life. This would happen during his earthly ministry. It happened three times according to the Gospels, like the widow's son in Nain and the daughter of Jairus, and of course, uh, his dear friend Lazarus, that they heard the voice of Jesus and they came back. Yet spiritually, those who hear the voice of Jesus, they respond in life-saving faith. They gain everlasting life. And he goes on to speak about the grave in judgment in verses 26 through 29. For as the Father has life in himself, so he has granted the Son to have life in himself and has given him authority to execute judgment also because he is the Son of Man. The Father and the Son have life in themselves, giving physical life to everyone, but offering everlasting life to those through faith that believe in Jesus, the name of Jesus. Everlasting life is not the only thing that God has placed under Jesus' authority. He says, he's granted me life, but also to execute judgment as well. There's a coming hour of judgment when Jesus will judge both the living and the dead. 2 Timothy 4, 1 and 2 says, I charge you, therefore, before God and the Lord Jesus Christ, who will judge both the living and the dead, preach the word. God is coming, the Lord Jesus Christ. He's going to judge both the living and the dead. But this was a charge from Paul to Timothy saying, the Lord's coming. He's coming to judge both the living and the dead. Here's what I want you to do. Here's what I charge you to do. Preach the word. Share your faith with others. Verse 28 and 29 of our text, it says, Do not marvel at this, for the hour is coming in which all who are in the graves will hear his voice and shall come forth. Those who have done good to the resurrection of life and those who have done evil to the resurrection of condemnation. And the Bible only gives us two options. It's either everlasting life through faith, through Jesus Christ, or everlasting condemnation to those who reject the testimony of Jesus 
as the only way to life. There's going to be no soul sleep, no purgatory. Uh, you won't be able to buy your way out of hell and eventually get to heaven some day. The decision of faith comes in this lifetime. Peter said a similar thing that Paul charged Timothy with. In 1 Peter 4 verses 5 and 6, Peter said, They will give an account to him who is ready to judge the living and the dead. Verse 6, For this reason the gospel was preached also to those who are dead, that they might be judged according to men in the flesh, but live according to God in the spirit. The Lord is coming, Peter says, and he's going to judge the living and the dead. And this is why we have proclaimed and preached the gospel to those who are dead, to those who are spiritually dead, that they might be judged, but live according to the spirit of God, that they find life in Jesus Christ. And so this is a, a message to the church today. The reason we proclaim, the reason we share that Jesus is the only way, that judgment is coming. And so we give the gospel, as Peter said, we preach the word, as Paul said, because he who is coming to judge both the living and the dead. We find in verse 30 that Jesus hears and does his father's will. He says, I of myself can do nothing. As I hear, I judge. My judgment is righteous because I do not seek my own, but the will of the father who sent me. I do not seek my own will, but the will of the father who has sent me. Before Jesus went into heaven, he declared in Matthew 28, 18, all authority has been given to me in heaven and on the earth, all authority. And this authority that's been given to him by his father, it's in obedience to the will of his father and it's in accordance to the word of God that Jesus will rightly judge this world. In John 6, 38, Jesus says, for I've come down from heaven not to do my own will, but the will of him who has sent me. And God has already clearly detailed in the Bible how we can pass from death to life. And it's according to the word of God that judgment will come. We'll look at that in, I believe it's in the third point. So we're going to come back to that thought. But Jesus is going to judge according to the word of God. It'll be no surprises when we stand before the judgment seat of Christ. God has already clearly detailed in the Bible how we can pass from death to life, to have everlasting life. And John uses this phrase again in 1 John 3.14. We know that we have passed from death to life because we love the brethren. He who does not love his brother abides in death. And so faith in Jesus, his death, burial, and resurrection it's the only way that an individual can pass from death into life. I titled this, One Who Bears Witness. Jesus is going to give several examples of those who bore witness of him as the Christ. But he specifically begins by referring to one who bears witness. So we find for context, verses 31 through 40. 
If I bear witness of myself, my witness is not true. There is another who bears witness of me, and I know that the witness which he witnesses of me is true. You have sent to John, and he has borne witness to the truth. Yet I do not receive testimony from man, but say these things that you may be saved. He was a burning and shining lamp, and you were willing for a time to rejoice in his light. But I have a greater witness than John's for the works which the Father has given me to finish. The very works that I do bear witness of me that the Father has sent me. And the Father himself who sent me has testified of me. And you have neither heard his voice at any time nor seen his form. But you do not have his word abiding in you because whom he sent him you do not believe. You search the scriptures, for in them you think that they have eternal life, but these are they that testify of me. But you are not willing to come to me that you may have life. We have Jesus speaking about this other witness, but he, he testifies of many witnesses that have already come. And he begins by saying in verse 31, if I bear witness of myself, my witness is not true. Now, Jesus was not saying that he did not speak truth, but in accordance to God's law, in Deuteronomy 17, 6, it tells us whoever is deserving of death, and remember that they had accused him, now wanted him to die for two reasons, because he healed on the Sabbath day and because he made himself the son of God, claiming to be equal with God. And so Deuteronomy 17, 6 says, whoever is deserving of death, shall be put to death on the testimony of two or three witnesses. He shall not be put to death on the testimony of one witness. So Jesus is just recounting a, a piece of the law to them. If I bear witness of myself, my witness is not true. It's not sufficient because on the testimony of two or three witnesses. In John chapter 8, the Jews will say to Jesus, if you bear witness of yourself, your witness is not true. Again, they're now uh, quoting the law to Jesus. He knew it very well. They didn't have to quote the law to Jesus. But he went on to say in John 8, 14, Even if I bear witness of myself, my witness is true. For I know where I have come and where I am going, but you do not know where I have come from and where I am going. Now, Jesus isn't really contradicting himself in these two verses. He's just stating a fact, first of all, according to the law, that it's on the testimony of two or three witnesses that one could be condemned unto death. But Jesus spoke the truth. He said in John 8, 14, my witness is true. But they would not receive his testimony. So he goes on to give another witness. Verse 32. There is another who bears witness of me, and I know that the witness which he witnesses of me is true. The Bible scholars, they debate a little bit about who Jesus is referring to when he says this in verse 32. The two options, he's referring to God or he's referring to John the Baptist. I believe he's talking about God in this verse because he speaks about John the Baptist in verse 33, and he will even go on to say that 
I do not need to receive the testimony of man. So there's another who bears witness of me, and I know that the witness which he witnesses of me is true. And it's the work of God the Father, who at his baptism, remember in Matthew 3.17, and then again at the transfiguration in Matthew 17.5, God the Father speaking from heaven, saying a very similar phrase, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. He added at the transfiguration, hear him. And I believe at his baptism that Jesus heard the words of his father. I believe that possibly John the Baptist heard these words. I don't think anyone else uh, perceived what was going on there. They heard a noise, but they didn't hear the voice of God. And at the transfiguration, it was Peter, James, and John who heard these things. And Peter would testify of hearing the voice of God in his epistle. But ultimately, God's testimony, it's God's testimony that counts. Knowing that the testimony of man is a fickle thing. Jesus has already said this in John 2, 24 and 25. It says, Jesus did not commit himself to them because he knew all men. And had no need of anyone should testify of man, for he knew what was in man. The testimony of man can be fickle, but he gives a solid witness of God. Here's, here's one witness, the mouth of two or three witnesses. Jesus testifies of himself. He brings the Father into the testimony. There's two witnesses. And he will bring in the witness of John the Baptist here in verses 33 through 35, that'll be three witnesses. You have sent to John, and he has bore witness to the truth. Yet I do not receive the testimony from man, but I say these things that you may be saved. He was a burning and shining lamp, and you were willing for a time to rejoice in his light. After 400 years of silence, there hadn't been a lot of uh, prophecy going on from what we know, none whatsoever, until the birth announcements coming to Zacharias and coming to Mary and uh, Elizabeth hearing the voice of Mary and her baby leaping in her womb, that there were some testimonies going forth. But when John the Baptist came on the scene, he caused quite a stir. And that stir reached all the way into Jerusalem. The priest of Jerusalem sent priests and Levites to go and to question John. Who are you? And John would respond back to them. I'm not the Christ. I'm not Elijah. I'm not the prophet. But he went on to say in John 1, 23, I am the voice of one crying in the wilderness. Make straight the way of the Lord. And although John spoke the truth concerning Jesus, Jesus was not dependent upon John's testimony. John was this burning and shining lamp who spoke the truth of the gospel. And the people came into repentance. They came into his light. They rejoiced in it. But it was only for a while. And for a while, the people rejoiced. Matthew 5, 14 and also verse 16, it tells us that you are the light of the world. And then in verse 16, it goes on to say, let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify the Father in heaven. 
We are the light of the world. And, and John came on the scene and he was this bright and shining light. And people rejoiced in that light for a season. The Lord does that for us every once in a while. But we are the light of the world. We're to let our light shine before this world. Sadly, in this place, the religious rulers had rejected John's testimony. They rejected John's testimony of Jesus and they would soon have John imprisoned. And ultimately, we know that Herod would have him put to death. So Jesus gives another witness. And here's the fourth one he gives, the very works that he was performing in their sight. Father, we thank you for your word and for oh, this chapter in John chapter 5. Lord, I pray that you would help us to just to get your word into our, not into our minds, although that's important, but Lord, more so in our hearts, that we might truly know you, the God of the word, and that we might truly know you, Jesus, God's son, whom our Father has sent that we might have salvation through faith in your name. We pray in the name of Jesus. Amen. Calvary Chapel is a fellowship of believers in the Lordship of Jesus Christ. Our greatest desire is to know Christ and to be conformed into his image by the power of his Holy Spirit. If you would like more information about Calvary Chapel or if you would like a copy of today's message, please contact us at 847-265-0646. That's 847-265-0646. Thank you so much for joining us today, and may the Lord richly bless you as you worship Him today. Let